Welcome to Confessions of History Geeks, a Museum of North Idaho podcast. For over 50 years, the museum has collected, preserved, and interpreted the history of North Idaho. Confessions of History Geeks is recorded in the historic J.C. White House, which is currently being remodeled, and is brought to you by a grant from the Idaho Humanities Council. Special thanks goes to James Supp of Coronado Trading Company for assistance with this podcast. The Museum of North Idaho is a nonprofit that appreciates its members, donors, and community for their support. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. We are coming to you today from, of course, the J.C. White House. Uh, I am your host once again, Sarah Jane Ruggles. I am a local public historian and an instructor of U.S. history at North Idaho College. You may notice that there's a bit of an echo in uh, in our sound today, but that's because we're coming to you from our beautiful sunny conference room in the beautiful J.C. White House. We decided to pick a different room today because it's just a beautiful spring May day in Coeur d'Alene. So we are enjoying the sunshine. So we hope the echo doesn't bug you, but uh, we are just having too much fun in the sun. So uh, May is National Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. And today on the podcast, we are honored to share the story of a very special Coeur d'Alene resident, Otsko Crotch. Otsko's story is quintessential to this month's theme because of her unique Japanese cultural heritage and her actions of service to the American nation and its people through the years. I only just met Atsuko about two weeks ago and my world has become brighter in that short amount of time just from listening to her and calling her my friend. I wish we could set up shop and listen to all your stories for hours as I have been blessed to do at your kitchen table and I will keep those memories close to my heart for a very long time. But for the sake of our podcast time today, I will be asking you about some specific stories that really resonated with me, and I think they will resonate with our listeners. These are the stories about the miracle of how you are sitting here with us today, the service that you gave to our troops and the South Vietnamese people during the Vietnam War, the story of how you became a U.S. citizen, and the artistic mark you have left on our beautiful town. Thank you for being with us today, and I would love to invite you to introduce yourself in your native Japanese language to start us off. Would you do us the honor of introducing yourself in Japanese? Konnichiwa. Atashi no namoe wa Atsuko Crotch. My maiden name is Kubo. Chugoku de umaremashita kedo. After that, I came to Japan in uh, 1945. I was raised in Japan. Right. You were born in Manchuria. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Manchuria. Oh, my gosh. China. Yeah, I didn't yeah. have... I don't. I can't keep up with you with my uh, pocket translator book uh, oh. of Japanese, which I'm not very good at. So uh, I will. <laughs> I'll catch up with you uh, by asking my nosy uh, uh, Holly Hobby questions. But you were your your story starts out fascinating. I mean, it literally it doesn't stop with you. It just <laughs> from the very beginning. You were born into 
a Japanese family uh-huh. in Manchuria yes. in 1944, right? Yes. Okay, can you tell me about how your family came to Manchuria? My father was working for the Japanese court, and he was sent over to China to work in a court in the Japanese territory. That uh, During the World War II, Japanese government was controlling Manchuria. Mm. And then the, my grandmother happened to be there is because she was teaching the women's make homemaker. Do you uh, call home that? economics? Yeah, mechanics. Okay. And then my mother was born in China. Of course, still, she is Japanese. Uh-huh. You know. And then the, my father and my mother got married as an arrangement married. As an arranged marriage? Mm-hmm. They didn't know each other until three days before they got married. Wow. Yeah. That was a very common at that time. Right. Yeah. And you were saying that the Japanese families mm-hmm. in Manchuria all kind of lived together That's because right. they were kind of diplomats that all yeah. lived in the same area? It's a big community. When we lost there in a war, mm-hmm. it was a big deal because ev- everyone had to evacuate. They had to take so many ships and in so many years it took for them to be able to go back to Japan. Right. And so your family, after the Japanese surrender in mm-hmm. 1945, mm-hmm. your family had to leave. Yes. Uh, do you know how, I mean, you were one, so it's not yeah. like you have you know, physical memory of no. the event. But do you know how much notice your family had to evacuate? I think maybe they have a little idea, but yeah. not that much. And then they, they have to just give up all the nice furniture or house, any belonging, except to be able to bring in one backpack per person. Wow. And you, as an infant, now this is where the miracle comes in. Can mm-hmm. you tell me about the rush to get on the trains? Yes. We have to use a train to get to the harbor to get on the ship. Mm-hmm. But everyone, there's so many people. We have to get on the train like the train was made for the animals, the horse or cows. And, like, like a stock a pig. Yeah, just a picket fence you know there's no wall and lots of people are pushed in therefore some of the parents who was holding a little babies by accident they dropped on the train mm-hmm. but they cannot go back to get the babies right it's not like they can and get then, off the yeah, train car yeah the chinese family like a chim- Chinese farmer who will pick them up and raise them as their own children. Oh my gosh. So I was just fortunate that, you know, they held on to me. Right. And, but I become very badly malnourished because I was just, I just finished taking a milk from my mother mm-hmm. and my mother didn't have a milk anymore mm-hmm. and they didn't have a baby food. They just have a dry food for grown-up. So my father tried to chew the dry food to give it to me, but I will spit it out. So 
I hardly had anything to eat. And then a uh, doctor decided that uh, he, he may have to throw me into the ocean because he didn't think I would make to Japan. Because it's a long way, you know, right. the whole Japan Sea, crossing the Japan Sea. And my parents thought that that's what it may happen. Right. But somehow I made it. <laughs> wow. When I got it to Japan, I was so ugly and small and, you know, sick. Everyone thought I would die next day. You know, first word they hear from the relative or neighbors, they all said, did Atsuko survive last night? Right. Yeah. Right. And so I don't have any baby picture because I was too ugly. Nobody wanted to take picture of no. me. But almost five, finally I start walking, but I couldn't walk until five years the, old? almost five. Yeah. There will be four, five, yeah. And I loved, I wish that we could spend a whole podcast talking about some of the memories you shared with me, with your grandparents, Mm great-grandparents, talking about, you shared with me stories about your grandmother and going out uh, in the fields and her finding crickets. Yes. Uh, Actually, she just don't like to bend and pick. It's uh, us. That, uh-huh. you know, because it was exciting because we get to have a snack uh-huh. and grasshopper. Oh, grasshoppers. That's yeah, right. Grasshoppers. grasshoppers. So we picked the grasshopper. She's holding the grass jar in her waist with a string. Uh-huh. And then we put the grasshopper in the jar. Uh-huh. And then when we get home, she will... Uh, put on over the charcoal That's and right. cook for us. And that was your, your snack? And it's crunchy and tasty. <laughs> right, and that was your snack. That was Yeah, that was it was a sna- one of the snack. Another snack was a s- snail. Yeah. Yeah, because after the rain, we had a big uh, fig tree. Mm-hmm. And that somehow those snails love that fig tree, mm. especially when it's wet. Yes. So after we had a rain, we go over there and pick so many snail. It's a, such a big size. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then they will put on the charcoal, and then when it gets hot, it, they just come out, head out. <laughs> so you'd put them on the grill, uh-huh. and then it was like they would over. It was like you're smoking them out of their own shell. Right. And they'd come out, and you'd scoop them out. Like- yeah, and then they drop the soy sauce. Uh-huh. And then it was a good snack. Wow, actually, like escargot. Yeah, from escargot. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. Well, because I didn't have a, uh, I didn't do the garlic and cream and butter. <laughs> we didn't have that. But still, very sophisticated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh! And one thing I was curious about is growing up in post-war. Japan. Now, I know that you were on an island off the coast of Japan, Mm -hmm. but still in the nation of Japan. What was your initial view of America growing up, you know, going Mm -hmm. going to Japanese schools? And now that you are, you know, a proud Japanese American, Mm -hmm. what was your view growing up of America? Somehow I liked them, especially like if we go to Tachikawa, it's called Tachikawa. It's the 
they have uh, some close to the base, and mm-hmm. that city has a uh, lots of American people. Oh yeah, soldiers or wives or the you know those people walking around, and I guess because I was so small, mm-hmm. they they feel kind of sorry or something. I don't know. They give me the candies or stuff. Right. And also, I remember my sisters, they went to the kindergarten that was controlled by the Buddhism temple. Oh, the Buddhist temple? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But somehow, I was sent to the kindergarten by the church and the American... Oh, by the, like a Christian school? Mm-hmm. And then the American lady, Mrs. Towson, was the head of the lady. Really? Yes. And then I was so scared to go every morning because my father would drop me off at the church. This Mrs. Towson is tall, uh-huh. especially to me at that time. Right. And every time when I get in the church, which is kindergarten, right. then I was so scared of her because she meant to be so affectionate. Right. But we don't do those hug. Oh, like, like... That's not our custom. Right. But she always ran to me. Oh. She hugged me every morning. I was so scared. <laughs> <laughs> I was running away. And then... The, <laughs> Because I think because I was so small compared to any other children. Yeah. And you don't see it as affection. You see it as a giant person grabbing Uh hold of you. Yeah. (laughs) And then I still remember, but she really somehow felt sorry or she liked me. And I was in her uh, house. We were invited and she wanted to teach me English sometimes. Just a simple word. And I still remember, she said, this is a, a cup. It was like a tea party kind of yes. way she did it. And then she held, she said, it is a cup. And, and the, their gesture, their, they talk with gesture. Yes. I still remember she was going, this Aww. is a cup. Aww. So I tried to, you know, do same as she did. But and then we are sitting at, on the chair, but we don't. We are not accustomed to sit on the chair. We sit on the floor. Oh, that's right? okay. So I went. This is a cup like this, and then the whole chair <gasps> fell oh, on no. my back. <laughs> no. I remember that. <laughs> and then so somehow that was a real connection, first connection with American people. Oh, wow. But after a while, I was not too scared. Right. I liked her very much. Oh, that's a neat yeah. story. I You hadn't told me that one before. I know. That's a neat There's one. There's so many stories that it takes a long time to cover. But that's what cover. I'm saying. I wish we could sit here all day and all <laughs> I night. I swear I could listen to you forever. Yeah, so I think I have a very good memory or feeling mm-hmm. toward America. Well, and you know what? That's a really appropriate story for it being Teacher Appreciation Week this week. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting two birds with one stone here. (laughs) 
So I will, I will skip ahead a little bit because uh, the next thing I want to talk about uh, as far as your story concerns also your uh, knowledge of the English language. Mm-hmm. Uh, you left home uh, when you were living in Tokyo, mm-hmm. correct? You left home at 16 mm-hmm. and you went to beauty school in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And not only did you go through the entire strict, rigorous process mm-hmm. of getting your license, but you also owned your own beauty, beauty shop. shop. That was later on, yes. But that was a big accomplishment for a single woman mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. unmarried. I mean, I just, I, I was very you fortunate. That. You were brave. Yeah. But I, I just, that, mm-hmm. that was, that takes guts. Yeah. That's a lot. I think I, I have a somehow actually big head you call, or I'm not too scared of the mistake. Right. Or, well, you know, and there's sometimes... I firmly believe that there's as much knowledge in a mistake sometimes, mm-hmm. but you don't learn it unless you try. That's right. And I still remember the story that I heard on the radio or something. Little girl uh-huh. and an old lady, uh-huh. they were talking to each other. And then finally, this little girl said to this older lady, how come you know so much? You know everything. And she said, oh, it's from my experience. Right. And then the little girl said, what's an experience? And then the older lady said, mistakes. Absolutely. I always remember that word. That's very yeah. wise. Did you learn that from Mrs. Townsend? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was too little to understand things like that yet <laughs> that time. But, but I, I never forget about that day when I fell oh, on the back. I wouldn't either. That's an early memory there. Uh, but so not only did you do that accomplishment, but what was really neat was during that time you were learning English and practicing it on your clients mm-hmm. who many of them were still the wives uh-huh. of the service members That's right. who were stationed there. Yes. And that is a fascinating story in itself, but it also led you your... Um, well, I guess I don't want to get too far ahead because... Your husband, Keith, actually filled me in on a, on a little morsel of history that I loved. Oh. Can you tell our listeners about how you dove into the English language and English humor and how you learned oh, about English humor? Yes, uh, okay, when I came to America to live, I, I realized there are different sense of humor with the between Japanese and American uh-huh. because I had a chance to go to parties so uh-huh. invited to their family, American family, and we spent the time together. Uh-huh. So I kind of knew the sense of humor. I could not, how do you say, I, I get a little intense. It, oh. I could not take as a sense of humor or joke. Take a joke? Sometimes okay. it's too harsh, you know, right. too straight for me. But I knew they meant to be good and friendly. Right. So anyway, I wanted to learn the sense of humor. So I watched a Johnny Carson show. Yep. And then, uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> every day I... As often as I can, and also uh, Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then the word I learned that I'll never forget, the first word was, 
Suck it to me, suck it to me. Let it all hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I know. When you told me that, I had tears like shooting out my eyes. I was laughing so hard. That was that made my entire day. So right Joni Carson was like my teacher. Teacher. Yep. I love his joke. Again, you know? teacher yeah. appreciation yeah. week. Again. Yep. <laughs> We're just hitting them all. Now, using your English language mm-hmm. skills, mm-hmm. you then qualified as, along with your many, many uh, skills uh, and your amazing intelligence, to work as a stewardess. Yes. You went through all of the rigorous testing. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. For uh, World Airways. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, but those stories you, are incredible. Yeah, do you remember? But I was not supposed to. Yes. Do be hired. Yes. I'm not qualified totally. Right. There. But you were so amazing that they let all those other things slide. Because yeah. what were you supposed to be qualified? What were your? Well, three things that I was not qualified is my height, because mm-hmm. I have to be at least five two that time for stewardess. They called stewardess at that time. Actually, I had to be a junior college graduate Mm -hmm. that time, minimum. And then weight had to be 100, over 100. I was 95 pounds Mm -hmm. (laughs) that time. (laughs) So those three things was not, you know, qualified. Mm -hmm. So when I went to interview, Actually, I didn't want to go to interview because I knew I'm not going to be accepted. Right. But I was pushed by so many people. Right. I you have to go. You, you will be perfect. Right. You know, so anyway, I, I thought if I go, then I can tell them I fail. I went mm-hmm. and I failed, yeah. <laughs> you know. But when I went to interview, many the executive came from America and then I was sitting in the center, like a whole shoe. Right. And I talked to them, and first thing they said, well, you know, you are not qualified. You, you don't qualify with three things. And, you know, like I told you, that's right. what he, she, he said. So I said, yes, I know, but I have to come because all my friends just <laughs> pushed me to come. <laughs> And then the, uh, so I didn't think I, I would be accepted. Right. But then at the end of that interview, they said, you know, we want you. Right. We want to have someone like you. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, we will waive those rules. You can wear the platform shoes. The platform <laughs> shoes. Mm-hmm. And then they, but I'm not junior college graduate. Right. Right, because you left home at 16. Mm-hmm. You also left school yeah, at 16. So yeah. uh, I'm not even high school graduate. Right. I don't advertise that, but I don't, I'm not shamed. Right. You know, I can right. tell because I did many things to cover that, you know. It's part of your story. It's part of your journey. Yes. And then they made another special rule for me was we have to, the training is normally six months in America mm-hmm. for the stewardess. That they condensed in three months because they cannot send the instructor 
for that long to Tokyo. It's too expensive. Oh, okay. So we did in three months, and they, I will every textbook is this kind of thick book, all in English. Like a couple inches thick. Mm-hmm. And all in English. Every, yeah, and every day they give us written test, but I, I have to pass eighty-five percent every day. Oh my gosh! Twelve of them passed. Uh-huh. I mean. Uh, to for training. Right. At the end, they only had a four. Four right. really got to work. So anyway, it was not easy. Right. But I had to study to pass 85%. Otherwise, I will not, I know I will not right. get accepted. But for somehow, I made it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then the, I was very surprised. I was a, one of the four people who got in. That's yeah. because you're just plain old brilliant. That's just all there is to it, as my yeah. grandma would say. <laughs> that is such a fascinating chapter of your story. And I, again, I just, I wish we could spend so much time on every little detail because it's all fascinating. Mm-hmm. But where that journey led that chapter of your life to is where it culminated as far as where we've talked about is 1975, mm-hmm. the Vietnam War. And you are one of the preferred stewardesses for Mr. Daly, the owner of World Airways. And you are always at the ready with your brilliantly pressed suit (laughs) and your constantly done hair and your gloves and your... That's right. Yeah. And then, see, that time, I think it meant lots to Mr. Daly was we happened to experience that historical fright together. Right, and you're talking about the flight out of Da Nang. Da Nang, yeah, da, last is it flight da out Nang? of Da Nang. Da Nang, mm-hmm. okay, because when you see it, it's A-N-G, but mm-hmm. I'm not pronouncing yeah. it right, Da Nang. Okay. And then, the, so he was, happened to be in that flight to go get the refugees. So in, in 1975, there was one that last was a, flight. That was 1974, I think. Okay. 1975, they, how do you say? Oh, they and, stopped? Yeah. They stopped? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you were, can you describe how that day went? Because your memory of that historic flight, which is documented and was documented, has been talked about for decades by Mm -hmm. many news anchors as a a completely terrifying and and heroic event. Mm -hmm. Can you please tell us about that day? Yeah, I knew we were going to go help the refugees last flight, refugees out from Danan, because the communists was getting very close to the Danan city. Mm-hmm. And then the, we were, just like a one minute, we were called from each room, all the flight attendants, you know, stewardess right. or the cockpit member, and we rushed to get on that. Right. Cause, um, and I'm sorry, because World Airways had partnered with the United States and South Vietnam to help with the, yes, with the efforts to get the South Vietnamese out of yes. South. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to clarify yeah. that. But the, the Vietnamese airline didn't show up. Oh, they backed up. They were scared, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so we had a three airplane, three seven to seven, mm-hmm. and we, we spread out. And... I didn't realize it. I happened to be on the first airplane to go. But uh, when we got to Danan, it was very bad 
just from the sky, you can tell how bad the airport is. So we were the first one with a chief captain. Mm-hmm. And our captain, chief, uh, chief captain, told those other two not to land because it would never make it. So wow. they had to circle. So yours was the yeah. only plane that actually landed. Right. Wow. I really had a no idea exactly what I was going to do. I was just going to, you know, let the passenger in who right. is a refugee. But it's a totally different uh, uh, airport from that time that window was round. And I see lots of lots of people running toward our airplane like ants or something is calling to the chocolate or candies. Right. I, when I saw that, I said, Oh my God! <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, because it's like a, so many, many hundreds of people running toward our airplane, and then the, they, some of them were shooting at us. Someone, I think, threw the hand grenade, and then that's when the our wing got the football-sized hole in the wing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I told you some yeah. of the passengers were so scared to see that. Right. And anyway. We we didn't open the side window. We opened the back. Seven to seven had a stair go down mm-hmm. in the back. We only opened that stair door. Anyway, the people at the bottom of the airplane, they were killing each other, fighting each other. Eight people got killed before they got on. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then Mr. Daly was controlling the big mob at the bottom. Right. I was reading he had a, he had a pistol with yes, him? Yes. And some of them, he was so mad, he just hit some of them. Right. I mean, he was, and, was he defending it? Because it was supposed to be women and children were supposed oh, yes, to be getting on? Oh, yes. But the men pushed everyone to right. get on. And then they, uh, when they get on the airplane, they just lose their breath, mm-hmm. you know, just go flat on the floor. Like, like pass out? Yeah, yes. Wow. I also, that will stop the people to come in. Yeah. You know what I did? I carried those guys and shoved them into the chair, uh, chair. three people in each seat. And how tall are you? 4'11". <laughs> <laughs> and the cockpit member was talking about that for a long time. Right. That little article carried the men on the shoulder. In your platform heels. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, if you ask me to carry men now, I would not do that. Right. I don't know but how it, I did it. But it was the moment. <laughs> it must have been the heat of the moment. I mean, the, the adrenaline. Oh, that's what I think so. Yeah. yeah. And then the, uh, that's the only t- fright that I didn't enforce them to put the seat belt. Right. <laughs> I didn't say, right. please fasten your seat, seat right. belt. <laughs> and you said that um, you had to gather weapons from people because they, oh, yes. they had fought their way through the jungle to get yeah. to... Yes, confiscate. The- so we told them, announced them, we had to confiscate all your weapon, mm-hmm. any little weapon you had to give us. Mm-hmm. So we were correcting it. Some of them... A uh, guy would give one little b- bullet. Some of them give me a gun or a knife mm-hmm. or all that. But one guy gave me a live hand grenade, two of them. Mm-hmm. And I held on in my hand. I said, oh my I have seen it 
hand grenade in the picture. Right. But first time I held. Right. And then the last time maybe right. I thought because yeah. I it could just go off on in the airplane. Everything could change right yeah. now. So I walked very quietly and right. took to the kitchen and wrap each one with a towel, push it way in the back. Right. Yeah. And you said there were people that were climbing up into the wheel wells? Oh, yes. They got uh, that landing gear uh-huh. compartment had uh, seven people. And then the one almost fell, but he was holding on to the airplane. And then when we took off, the bodies hanging. And the other air, airplane captain said, I think you're bodies hanging from your aircraft. You right, know? right. And then that picture was, I think it was on the Time magazine. Yeah. In the cover magazine. Yeah, you can see Our airplane feet. in 7 to 7 and bodies hanging. Yeah. Yes. I, unfortunately, I think he fell into the sea. So six of them were sitting in the landing gear compartment and right. survived, yeah. And that, and that was not the only time that you helped people. You were also part of the Operation Baby Lift. Yes, I yeah, And was. you helped many, many orphans mm-hmm, escape mm-hmm. out yeah. of South Vietnam. Right. Orphans that you also were able to reunite with yeah. uh, not long ago. That's right. Yeah. I mean, how ma- dozens? Uh, how, how many orphans do you think, how many flights did you do? were you a part of coming out of... Oh, I, some of them, yeah. were, you know, we were only carrying 50 uh-huh. because uh, uh, there's uh, lots of uh, Velcro, how do you say, yeah, I forgot the word in English, but uh, during the war, they have Siberian military uh-huh. and Saigon, they all were kind of arguing uh-huh. about Velcro. Is that right? Bureaucrat? Okay, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then when we were waiting for a baby, uh, we needed diapers or mm-hmm. s- things like that. But uh, we were waiting and waiting to be able to get that. PX, they don't open for us because we are civilian. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. And then there are airline, uh, the Mr. Daly is a civilian. Yeah. But he went to help them, and knowing if we went to the war, the insurance company would cut the insurance automatically. Oh, really? Yeah. I did so many children's baby lift, and some of them I had over 100, 150 or so, some of them, and over 200 people. Right. But lots of time we have to give up our jump seat. Yeah. Because so many of the children, we let them, you know, you take that. Right. But one of the flight that I remember is all like a bit from the real tiny infant to the maybe teenage, early teenage. Because at Vietnam, uh, they don't want the, anybody who is old enough to hold the gun will go with us. Right. They wanted them to serve. To they fight. would come in to check our flight, uh-huh. and then when he they found uh, this one of the Vietnamese soldier came in and saw one of the thirteen years old. One of the boys said, "Yeah, said you get off." And that is, we begged because he had two young brothers on that flight, and then we begged, but we couldn't, you know. 
uh, we didn't have much power. So I was always thinking of that boy, I young bet. boy. I thought, what happened to him? Did he die on the field or, you know? Yeah. And then they, anyway, that was another historical fright. Mm-hmm. First baby uh, fright to make to America was a baby, often. Mm. Uh, so, and the President Johnson at that time, he came to, you know, on the fright, that fright when we landed to the Oakland, mm-hmm. he came on. Wow. Yeah, I think it's for the newspaper. Right, <laughs> right. Know? But still, I mean, it was but monumental. It, yeah, and that, so that was our first baby lift. Wow. He named it uh, Baby Lift Operation. Right. Know? And then they, that was one of the real scary fright to me, even though like, it's just all the babies, right. but they didn't want us to take off. The Saigon Airport, they said, if you take off, we will shoot you. But we've been waiting for the diapers and all that and since 9 o'clock in the morning in that hot weather. And you got all Vietnam. those babies who are All miserable. the baby, though we didn't have any chair. Right. We removed the chair, put the net, and held the uh, put the babies on the floor. Mm-hmm. We hold knit because you can't buckle every baby, little baby, on the seat. Right. That was a DC ten. Oh my God. Yeah, and then the, our captain has a big, you know, guts confidence too. Mm-hmm. But he said, "Hell no, we are staying." So he, we wow. took off at midnight. Well, they turned off all the lights, right? Oh, yeah. Airport was pitch dark. And then, because they said, oh, you're not going. And then the captain, our captain said, hell no, we are staying. So we took off. But I was so scared because I thought they could shoot us. Yeah. And it, you're just sitting here with all these babies. Yes. Just- yes. So until we got airborne, uh-huh. I was so scared. Right. Yeah. But, you know, we made it, obviously, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right, right. And then the, some of the babies, I still remember, that they, she had all kind of purse, yellow stuff coming out from oh. the, And then the doctor, we had one doctor in that fright. He said, don't touch that baby. Don't touch her. So she was left in the bathroom on the floor of course by herself in the bassinet but you know I felt so bad I, I didn't care if I get that something you know right. and if I get sick or skin get broken or anything I just held her right yeah her name was Wendy I still remember <laughs> My goodness! Yes, you just—you leave me speechless when I when I talk to you. Every single time I talk to you, <laughs> at some point, you leave me speechless. Yeah, wow. And and your so your your service to the efforts. This was before you ever became an American citizen. Oh, so way, and, way before. Yeah, right. And and that all was part of our efforts to to combat communism. Mm-hmm. I'm and I'm jumping far ahead mm-hmm. again. But you know what? Again, yeah. but, but Can I mention one oh, thing? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I think yeah, I didn't mind keep going back to help for babies and children uh-huh. because I know my story that I came from yes. China when I was a baby, 
evacuated. It's the same thing. Yes. So I felt like I want to help. I want to be part of it. Yeah. Absolutely. You, your heart is just so amazing because of the miracle of how you are here. So jumping ahead, another story that really struck me, uh, you know, was after you had, so you came to Coeur d'Alene in 1991 mm-hmm. and you have, you and your husband, mm-hmm. uh, you guys had a couple of businesses here. Yes. yes. Uh, you guys had been living in, in Orange County mm-hmm. and you came up to Coeur d'Alene cause mm-hmm. he was retiring mm-hmm. and, uh, you fell in love with it as many of us transplants did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I know that you guys had, what, what was the gift shop that you had here? It's a high-end gift called Schlesinger's Street of Dream. That was a name. My, hus- uh, my late husband named that. Schlesinger's yeah. Street of Dreams. Mm-hmm. Do you remember where it was? Do you remember? Yeah, it's street? in that shop. Oh, in the shops mm-hmm. by the resort? And then the, my late husband was contact, a contractor in Orange County building okay you know, many nice homes over there. But uh, so he built that, you know, store. Oh, okay. And then he built the train, all the big train. Okay. Yeah, run in the window. I think lots of people remember our store with that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. And, but unfortunately... uh, you know, tragedy struck when he passed away. Mm-hmm. And for you, not long after that, you faced your own hardships financially. Yeah. And you... Went bankruptcy. Yes. <laughs> I, I and, and, and you lost... I mean, you had to sell everything. Your home, yes. your furniture. Mm-hmm. And the whole theme of Asian American heritage and how you are perfect for you're just the epitome of this is your pride and your patriotism and this story kind of said it all to me because you were at smack dab in the middle of all this hardship mm-hmm. when September 11th happened yes and you're dealing with all this difficulty and tell me can you tell us what was the first thing you did after, I mean, we all, we're all going back in our head to the memories of where yeah. we were that day. I well, was getting ready for school. Um, and, but I remember uh-huh. the feeling of unity and the feeling of, uh, heck no, yeah. you know, we're, we're going to come together and we're going to do something about right. this. What did you well, do? Uh, when I was watching that news, it was very scary too. Mm-hmm. And then also I said, what? It's going to happen. Then I start noticing lots of people died. And, you know, it's a, such a big tragedy. And mm-hmm. But I felt like I wanted to do something. But normally I would have given a big check or something. Right. But I didn't have any penny. Right. I have never rented a house, but I had to rent an apartment. And, right. You know, and so... I, I I thought, what can I do? I can't. I don't have any money. I can't write the check. Right. And, then, and you were working multiple jobs at this point. Yeah. Because you refused I, to take I any start, sort of. Yeah. I assistance. worked. Uh, I actually took about three jobs mm-hmm. because um, people said, "Oh, you can go uh, take apply for welfare 
you know, yeah. and things like that. But I said, no, 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 it's okay. I can work. Yeah, you know? yeah. So uh, I wanted it to work. And, right. you know, it wasn't easy. Right. Sometimes I like I'd stay up all night to do the work. Right, right. And that sometimes two or three nights a week, right. I used I did that. Right. Yeah. But you know what? It really paid off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For me. Right. But anyway, for that, I really wanted to do. And what can I do when I'm penniless? Right. <laughs> and right. then I decided I had a twenty-five dollars. I thought I could spend, so I went to get the all the different craft. Uh, because I decided to make a uh, pin, patriotic pin. Pins, the, yeah. Yeah, red and, you know, white and blue, and then some star. Mm-hmm. I made it, and then I sold for seven fifty mm-hmm. for everybody I know. <laughs> right. And then they finally came almost $500. Wow. But then still, that's not much, you know. Anyway, when I, though, I got so excited when I saw the sign at the Albertson. They had a big banner said they will meet whatever we bring. At Albertson's grocery store in yes, Coeur d'Alene? Yes, I think it was on the Hayden, I oh, think. Oh, Hayden? Okay. Yeah, yeah. By 95. Okay, yeah. yes. So anyway, I, I got so excited. So I brought that. I think it's like a 490 something, mm-hmm. you know, and then they gave a check. To Red Cross for, from me yep. at over thousand dollars. So Beautiful. I was so proud, <laughs> even though that was a little, you know, to but do that, that. That speaks that that one struck me so strongly, mm-hmm. and and what you had overcome, and you you were working towards citizenship, but you hadn't be and you hadn't crossed over, you know, that that plane yet, but you still. Felt so strongly about mm. your country, yeah. and um, then you moved forward and you became a citizen. The next year, uh, I become. Was it two thousand two? Two thousand two. Yes, that's okay. when I got the citizenship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you had you had quite the celebration, and it, right. was it City Hall? Yeah. In Coeur uh, or was in it in at the court? The courthouse. Okay. Courthouse. Yes. Yeah. And they have not given their citizenship in Cordland Courthouse for 10 years. So uh, after I passed the test, that was taken at Spokane. Mm-hmm. And then the lady who handled it, she, she said to me, so this date, so, so can you come to Spokane to swear? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I think I was told that we're going to be doing by uh, Judge Law in Cordoran. And she said, oh, he hasn't been doing that for a long time. Uh Are you sure? I said, yes. He said he would like to do that when I pass the test. (laughs) So I'm supposed to let him know. (laughs) So he said, she said, okay, then we will call his office. And then later she told me, yes, he said he wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you had a packed courtroom and you had yes. sweet Adelines, which you were singing in at the time, come uh-huh. and sing a patriotic yeah. song. Yeah, I ask, I, such a, I have such a big head sometimes. You know? <laughs> 
I asked uh, doc, uh, Judge Law, federal judge, you know, he said, ah, do you think we can have a sweet Adeline come over and sing the patriotic song? He said, well, we never had that kind of thing to happen before. We never did that before. But let me see what I can do. And later he called, said, okay, you can have a, your group, Sweet Adeline, sing the patriotic song. All the our chorus member, they were white shirts and the red vest and blue <laughs> skirt. And then they, in between, I came down, I was sitting this way with all the other people, mm-hmm. and then the, the sweet other and we were singing over there, and I would come down and join and sing together with them. Such a jovial <laughs> experience and uh-huh. a proud moment for you and uh-huh. for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's just absolutely an incredible culmination to to your pro, your journey of becoming an mm-hmm. American. Yeah, it's just we're so proud to have you, and, and I mean, I mean, <laughs> to have you. you as one of us, it's just wonderful. Yeah, I became a citizen in Colorado. It's you just know. beautiful. Yeah. And so, um, the, one of the the last story that I would love to talk about with you is is the mark that you've left on Coeur d'Alene. and you know you have left your mark on our community in a number of ways. I mean, you've, mm-hmm. you've affected uh, many of us with your loving smile and your warm friendship. Um, <laughs> you know, especially me. I'm so excited mm-hmm. to know you and call you my friend now. Um, but you know what? One thing I didn't tell you, too, is that I always wanted to help children's village. The children's village? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Of course, I didn't have that much money yet. Uh-huh. But you know what I did? I wrote I wrote many invitations uh, and se- send out to friends or you know people I know or offices, and then they pay. They had to pay like a uh, fifteen dollars or I think it was seventeen dollars for Christmas party, and then uh, there was some old bacon office in some of the buildings, uh-huh. I asked if we could use a bottle, you know, yes. for the Christmas party, and I cook everything, and yes. then they, I, I, we had a Christmas party several, a few different times, Yes, cause, uh, and then all the check I received for the ticket, I gave to Children's Village. That's amazing. Yeah. That's and, amazing. And then, you know, after... When we get married with the keys, we ask all the uh, guests. We had about close to 200 people at our wedding, but please do not give us any gift. Instead of a gift or money, uh, please write a check or give to the children's village. That's perfect. And we, we had a pretty good amount of the money. I took to them they were very surprised (laughs) well and your your philanthropy doesn't stop there because it also pairs with your amazing artistry Mm -hmm. and and the mark you've left on our town I mean not only do a lot of people remember you for your um 
one of the amazing landmarks in this town was the Candy O'Brien's dress shop, which Mm -hmm. I remember growing up as the shop where I had to put my hands in my pockets because all the dresses were too nice and I kept touching everything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And my mom would say, Sarah, put your hands in your pockets. Stop touching it all. (laughs) Yeah, it was a little high end. It was beautiful. Uh, But also... Uh, now my children get to stare in wonder at the beautiful stained glass uh, hor- uh, horses up mm-hmm. in the carousel yeah. that you created and yes. are going to last generations. And that's that's, that's one of your specialties, the stained glass. And uh, yeah. you did that for our town. That is mm-hmm. fantastic. You are forever a part of our beauty. It was not too long after they opened it, I saw the carousel house. And that cupola, you call that octagon-shaped top, uh-huh. and the window was totally blank. Uh-huh. And I said that that needed they needed stingers. Yes. You know, and then the uh, luckily we were good friends with a nice gentleman, uh, Doc, uh, Mr. Bud Falls, Mr. Uh-huh. And we happened to be friends, so. We told, he donated the, for the building, uh-huh. too. So we said, but they need a stained glass. And yeah. then the kids said, Atsuko can do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so nice of him to volunteer. Yes. Yeah, so then the doctor, um, not, Mr. Ford, said, well, okay, if you're going to do the stained glass, I'll buy the material. That's how <laughs> we started. And it took about one year. Mm-hmm. But it completed it. We, I was so, I felt so good to see that colorful computer. <laughs> In closing, you have said such beautiful things about your love for this community that it's it's very fitting that you, the the beauty is shown through the beauty and, and your love is shown through the beauty mm-hmm. of, of your artistry. I mean... What, what do you love about this community? I mean, that you've been a part of for okay. all these years. Uh, because people are so gentle mm-hmm. and then very supportive. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when I lost my husband, mm-hmm. some of the, uh, those group of the, you know, people came over to clean up my house so right. uh, before the funeral. Right. And then, because after the funeral, people come to our house, you know. So I was very surprised. And then they were, during the, when he was sick too, everyone was very supportive right. of me. And I think the people, Kodorem is a gather, how do you say, kind of cluster of the nice people, gentle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we're very honored to have you as part of our town yeah. and part of our story. Yeah. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It has uh, been an absolute dream getting to know you. I'm so grateful for, for doing this podcast because it gave mm-hmm. me the opportunity to get to know you. So okay. I look forward to being your friend. And um, Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I look forward to um, talking with you again soon. And thank you so much for being yeah. with us. I hope to see you soon. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to Confessions of History Geeks, a Museum of North Idaho podcast where history is brought to life by the curators of the stories and culture of North Idaho. 
visit the museum's website at www.museumni.org for articles about our area's history and for ways you can help us keep history alive for our future.